Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. Finland's 103. Hello and welcome to this week's Health and Fitness. Coming up on the show very shortly, you'll hear from a leash woman who's been celebrated for her work as a volunteer in sport. We're talking heart health a little later. Our resident nutrition expert from Forban will be on the programme and you'll meet a pair of Westmeath Minotaurs. The Midlands American Football Club is welcoming new members ahead of their forthcoming Premier Division season. We talked to their quarterback and wide receiver who was crowned as the Rookie of the Year at the club. A really interesting chat that. Uh, but now we're celebrating volunteers. This week, the Federation of Irish Sport announced the launch of the 2023 Volunteer in Sports Awards. Uh, the awards recognise the unsung heroes who breathe life into sports in every corner of the country and of course counties Offaly, Leash and Westmeath. If you know a dedicated volunteer, someone you regard as the backbone of your community in your town, the nominations are now open. You can submit who you think is deserving at volunteersinsport.ie. Mary Thompson is one of the founding members of Abbey Leaks Hockey Club. Last year, Mary was the leash winner of the award. I'm very grateful to say uh, she joins us on Health and Fitness right now. Uh, Mary, thanks so much for taking our call this evening. Okay, thank you, David. It's a pleasure. Not at all. Come here. So obviously you've put in a huge amount of time and work into hockey, into a sport you obviously have a passion for. It must have been an odd one then going through the process of getting this recognition uh, for the club and the sport and yourself personally. Oh, yeah. well, yes. Um, yes. The phone call came very much out of the blue. Uh, the club uh, secretary, Anne Talbot, had nominated me, so the, the Mary O'Connor rang, and it was quite a surprise. I need to say I wanted to decline, but um, look, it was explained to me, volunteers matter, and it was so important that, you know, people who volunteer got recognition, and in that recognition, other people saw the value in, in, in volunteers and saw the need for volunteers. I mean, sport doesn't happen, as you explain, you know, sport doesn't happen in the community without volunteers and I think the numbers that were given were something like 450,000 people almost half a million volunteers are out there every week uh, keeping sport going in communities and it's you know it's a huge value to the economy it's a huge uh, contribution to the local community to have everybody involved in being active that amount of sport so yes it was a privilege a bit of a surprise but it was lovely yeah it's remarkable what you've just said there. Half a million people, give or take, are involved in volunteering in sport in this country. It kind of speaks to how sports mad we are, but also uh, just how extensive and required the the work that someone like yourself does. Talk to us about uh, what goes into your time at Abbey Leaks Hockey Club, be it from when it started to your role there now and, and your relationship with it over the years. Well, I suppose now I just I help to go help a little to coach out um, coach under eights. That's our our youngest little group turning it under eight. Magic, and real privilege to have them come in. They pick up their hockey sticks and off they go, and they make friends and dust <laughs> themselves off, and they keep going. And you know, it's amazing. Over a few years, you see them. Like we've had we've had volunteers who came with their under eights you know, players, their six year olds, and they're still with us coaching or walking with the under sixty. You know, our inters, which are under sixteens. So. I mean, that's my, my I'm, we have a committee I work on that, you know, help with that as well. But it, it, the, we've just been blessed as a, as a little group that started off. I mean, the group started off in 2005. We had a new little astro that was built by the community in Abeliques. The Abeliques Park Development had built a little astro. And on that, it was just trying to find sports and particularly one for girls. So it literally came out of a little initiative of a six-week program for girls to play hockey and with Gary 
people like Gary Lushrell and Anne Cantwell and Portlaoise ladies who had, there had been a junior club in Portlaoise, but that had kind of gone. It, was, it wasn't active at the time, so Petronella Ryan and uh, Mary Singleton, lots of people who had been involved in Portlaoise came, helped us out in Eberlix to get started. And from 2005 to 2023, we're still growing, growing in numbers, growing in strength. And I suppose getting the award this present, last year, the award this year, it coincided with Abilix Junior Hockey joining up with Leash Hockey, joining up with Portlaoise Ladies Hockey and becoming Leash Hockey, which is a huge, um, a huge amalgamation process, but it has worked and we're now Leash Hockey. So we're very proud that we've got to the stage where we're now um, a, a club that can take children from under six right up to whatever age people want to play hockey at. So it's been a great, it's been a, it was a great year to get the award for the club, um, recognition for the club and all the work that had gone you know, on over through the years. That's a great point, actually, to kind of uh, recognise what happened with Abbey Leaks Hockey before uh, the Leash Hockey amalgamation came through. And um, my colleague Chloe Farrell interviewed uh, someone from Leash Hockey when this amalgamation was uh, finally finalised. Um, and we've been keeping an eye on uh, your progress as well and delighted to see how uh, things are progressing in that respect. It would have started from a very small little project. I suppose for people to take heart, Start with initiative, start with some small project and you just don't know where to go, you know, with support and help. You just, yeah. Where did your relationship with hockey start? My own children played, my my girls started with under 10s hockey in Portlaoise. Okay. Literally just as a parent, just stood on the sideline, then started putting down a few cones and, you know, got, you know, got involved that way. And that was because my own girls had played um, and then later on my boys played a little bit as well. So... If, you know, it was from just starting off, you know, supporting your own family, just being there, you know, turning up for your own family. It just, that's how it grew. That's how we and all I, get sucked in, isn't it? And I suppose, look, I love, I love to see children play sport. It just happened that it was hockey. It could have been any sport, but it just happened that that's the one they got involved in. But yeah, yeah. If anyone listening at home this evening is uh, looking at maybe putting their uh, children through uh, a sporting class or joining a club, what kind of atmosphere exists uh, at Abbey Leagues Hockey Club, but generally, or, or, or Leash Hockey, or, or the sport generally, uh, what, what is the typical atmosphere there? Well, I think, I hope, it's very, it is a very welcoming, like we are, people turn up, we give, the sticks are there, and, you know, join in, have a bit of fun. Uh, get to know other people. I suppose because it's the only hockey club in the area, children come from all over the area. So they're meeting people, making new friends, people they haven't met, you know, from school or wherever. Um, no, and we have super parents. I mean, parents that just turn up and whatever they can offer, whatever they can do. Um, it just has grown from that. I mean, that's the, that's the atmosphere. Um, I suppose because children, a lot of children come, no matter what age they come, they mightn't have experience of hockey before, so they learn playing within the club rather than, you know, learning any place else. And it's things are transferable to soccer, they're transferable to GA, you know, they're transferable to other sports as well. You know, so it's it's all development. It's all development children's, you know, ability to be active and, and, and have a sport. I was just going to say the sport itself, how it's structured, the rules of the game, the equipment that you use, it develops a wide range of physical capabilities uh, in terms of your balance and um, hand-eye coordination and uh, that kind of thing. So particularly for young children, as you say, it's it's a good one to play because it physically probably sets you up pretty well going into your, your, your adolescence or adult, adult years. Oh, yes. And the fact that you can come back to the sport, as many, you know, older um, seniors have come back to the sport at any age. You know, it's, it's a sport that you can play on for quite a number of years. As um, our two le- senior ladies, you know, as 
you know, there's some there are players who play, you know, for quite a quite a while. So yeah. I suppose we're lucky we're lucky in Abilique in the sense and Leash Hockey that we have we can use the facilities in Abilique which are Abilique Park Development have we have a little Astro League five aside Astro, we have the tennis club allow us to use the courts and they've been so good to us. Um the soccer have a little Astro and just a tiny little Astro and the GA have an Astro and that's where they're all very small Astros, but that's where we play any of our matches, then we have to travel to Loretta and Kilkenny. Tullamore have been very good to us down through the years as well, and other counties with there. But there's no physical hockey pitch in Leash as yet. Okay. Now, sports, sports capital funding has been given to, um, to hockey, you know, through Hockey Ireland and the LOETB, and hopefully a pitch will come with the new school in Donamase and Port Leash. But this capital funding is there, but it's just to get this, get the, get it up and could take another while. Well, I know from following the exploits of the Irish uh, hockey senior teams uh, and, you know, their campaigns to get to the Olympics that went on for so long until recently, uh, uh, getting access to pitches and facilities was a long running issue, wasn't it? Yes, it is. And this has been a huge thing for Hockey Ireland to get a regional pitch in Port Leisha, which will be the idea. And the ladies, I mean, hockey ladies winning and getting to the Olympics that time, that was a huge boost for the sport as well. Yeah, huge. Yeah, I can only imagine the thrill that everybody must have experienced. I'm right in saying that it was they got to a World Cup final and they subsequently qualified for the Olympics. Yes, yes. it's incredible. It must have been, and they also they kind of made headlines because of their insistence on 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 deciding to savor and enjoy each moment uh, throughout the tournament, smiling and laughing during the national anthems and that type of thing. It was kind of joyous to observe. Yeah, for I mean, for young for young players to see this smiling group coming out and just giving it their all and giving it their best, yeah, and see you, yeah, and to see the Irish colours and to see them just so involved and loving their sport. Yes, um, I want to bring it back to the work that you do, but by talking about the work that so many people like you do, the awards are coming up again this year. I don't know what your perspective was on uh, the the Volunteer and Sport Awards uh, prior to your nomination. But having gone through the process, you touched on it at the start of our conversation, uh, the importance of recognising people who do this work. Yeah, I mean, look, you, I accepted the award last year. On the, you know, it was recognition for my for the club. It was recognition for all those volunteers down through the years. The ceremony itself was a lovely ceremony, um, and you know, to be in a position to see all the volunteers from the various the counties and the, the initiatives that people took on you know it was a variety of initiatives that people took on in their clubs or in their groups and it was just lovely to see the amount of good that came into all of those communities because you know people just turn up and keep going so the future for yourself uh, mary is it uh, very much uh, along the same lines uh, in in your role with uh, abby leaks hockey you're uh, enjoying uh, training the children and um, maybe a bit of work on the committee and uh, uh, just helping the club move along in its endeavors uh, what what kind of objectives big plans or objectives do do would would the club have for the future oh i mean because our absolute dream would be to have a pitch and to be able to grow with the numbers, to be able to involve more children in the sport. We, you know, we're limited in what we can do given the space we have. But in terms of, you know, the capacity of, you know, of leash to take hockey and really, you know, make it a big sport in the county is there. But just the pitch, you know, we just need a, a pitch. And that, that will come, but just... Um, I mean, the club will look at every alternative, every aspect, you know, everything to source, a playing areas, 
till the big pitch comes. But yeah, I suppose I have to mention the sports, the sports partnership, and they would be involved in the awards as well. Have sure. been so supportive, um, you know, in terms of training, in terms of funding. Caroline and her team have just, and like all those, like all sports partnerships in all the counties, you know, they would mean so much to clubs just to keep them going, supporting them, hand holding, sometimes getting the training that they need. That has been very important. Um, for all clubs. But yes, I would say to any club, you know, it's a fabulous thing to nominate somebody. They won't welcome it in the sense, you know, they might, nobody, nobody's volunteering for the sake, you know, because to get an award, but, you know, it is lovely to get recognition for the club. It's lovely to get that positive, you know, that uplifting um, benefit of an award, you know, has been lovely. And I would recommend, you know, clubs, yes, go find somebody and, you know, put them forward for the for the award. It's a lovely ceremony. It's a lovely thing to do. Yeah, we all know somebody uh, who's definitely deserving of that. And as you say, volunteers aren't in it for the curtain call, but it's important that the actual responsibility that people take on does get recognised and that feeds into itself and it increases the meaning behind what people do. If you do know somebody and you do want to nominate them, volunteersinsport.ie is the website to go to. Nominations are open until around the middle of December. Uh, Mary Thompson, uh, one of the founding members of Abbey Leaks Hockey Club and the Leash winner of the award last year. We really appreciate you joining us on Health and Fitness this evening and we wish you and the Hockey Club the very best in your future endeavours. Yes, and to all volunteers. And I just have to pass one. We have just come off the pitch there. We had a first, our first primary school bliss in Port Leash this morning with you know, some local schools from Mount Rath, Port Leash and Abbey Leaks involved playing on, on the, uh, the, 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 the pitch at um, the Leisure Centre in Port Leash and a great morning's hockey was played and it was their first bliss. It was their first time to play hockey on a pitch um, in a blitz. So great morning in, a, in Port Leash this morning for <laughs> A massive congratulations to everyone who got involved and hopefully you've got a few lifelong uh, members of the hockey community after that going forward. Mary, thanks again. David, thank you so much and thanks for the opportunity. Next, one in four Irish people die from heart disease. We are going to talk about how we stop this from happening. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. If uh, you're sitting down, uh, brace yourself. And if you're not sitting down, sit down because there's some pretty startling statistics I'm going to bring to our health and fitness listeners this evening. One in four deaths in Ireland is due to cardiovascular disease. It's estimated that 80% of premature heart disease and stroke is preventable. Like if you just try to get your head around that, 80% of it is preventable and one in four deaths in this country is down to cardiovascular disease. Uh, the causes are listed as smoking, physical inactivity, poor diet, obesity and excessive alcohol consumption. And already you can, I suppose, hear the picture we're painting and maybe it will chime with a lot of the issues in Irish culture. Uh, I'm very glad to say that uh, resident expert nutritionist on health and fitness, Brida Malini, joins us uh, to look at this particular issue. Firstly, Brida, it's important to acknowledge those statistics are just incredibly stark and concerning and that is exactly what's going on and has been going on in this country for a long time. Absolutely, absolutely. And it is a frightening statistic to think that 80% is actually preventable. I think that's what we should, you know, kind of focus in on is actually is preventable an awful lot of it. And lifestyle is a huge impact on our, our health, overall health. I read as well recently, like lifestyle changes can 
you know, be one element of it. We can address our our own lifestyle. But within certain limitations, I suppose, there's a a structural issue there for a lot of people, depending on their background and where they came from. Uh, So it's it's a difficult and complex problem. Absolutely. And the thing to remember, I think, with change is instead of thinking, oh, uh, there's a sweeping change, small changes consistently done work. You're not going to reverse cardiovascular disease, even things like your high cholesterol, arteriosclerosis overnight. It takes time. So you build on the habits of change rather than saying, "Okay, you have to completely revamp your diet, revamp your whole lifestyle. It takes time because if you overwhelm yourself with too much at the one time, you'll just it'll all go to the side eventually or very quickly, actually. Let's talk about maybe some of the incremental changes that people mm. could make that are practical. Uh, I imagine nutrition and diet is is a huge part of that. So what are the basics that we need to know going forward? Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the pillars. Absolutely. But there's so much more to tie into that. Things like your stress, um, managing your cholesterol, being active, all of those things tie into the nutrition side of things. As well, if you are having, if you have a fantastic diet, but your stress levels are through the roof, the diet will not do what it's supposed to do, no matter how good it is. Okay, so it'll so actually kind of the stress will sorry? undermine the stress will undermine yes. how you metabolize good food, even. Absolutely, absolutely, it prevents you from absorbing nutrients, all of that, because when your body's in a high stress state, it's in a fight or flight, what they call fight or flight. So when, if you want to run away from the tiger, the last thing you're going to do is digest your food. Fair point. You're, everything is going to go to your limbs to move away from where there is actually what's causing you the stress. So if you are in a high stress state all the time, and a lot of people are very stressed, and a lot of people are dealing with kind of a low level of constant stress. So by doing that, the body, it, it inflames the body, and there's a whole myriad of reactions then within the body so even with diet it won't rectify that so there's a you have to take a very holistic approach to um your cardiovascular health and your overall general health along with obviously with diet things even like sleep hugely important hugely important as regards your heart health so you know it's not just diet and while obviously diet is a is a big factor in it but there's other pillars kicking into that. OK, so holistically, you have to look at the, the, the whole picture when it comes to cardiovascular yes. health. We've mm. underlined that stress can be maybe one of the chief things in this because none of the other measures might work if if you can't get uh, that part uh, of your own life under control. What yes. are the, the things we can control um Diet, alcohol consumption, Mm. uh, these are obviously big parts of it as well. Absolutely. And obviously being active, that is hugely important that we're moving, that we're actually exercising um, at least, I think, up to 30 minutes, three times, three to five times a week, moderately vigorous exercise, and then trying to get in your 10,000 steps a day. That alone will definitely help. As regard, first of all, it'll help with weight. It'll also help with cardiovascular health and improve your overall fitness. But it will also help with your stress. You know, it all ties into that as well. So we're not moving enough. We're sitting down an awful lot. 
we are, as you say, our diet is highly processed, highly, you know, we're very fond of snacks. We're very fond of salty foods. We're very fond of fried foods. And it's very, very prevalent. And that is why our cardiovascular health is actually suffering. It it seems like we are outliers uh, compared to other countries internationally. Uh, would that tally with what you've seen and read and just how concerning as an overall issue, if you're looking at Ireland's health generally, would it be uh, up there as one of the biggest concerns that you would have? Absolutely. Um, I think we're, we're following what they call the standard Western diet. Yeah. I think that's what it is, goes across Britain and America in particular. And we, we're following suit. Um, whereas if you go further towards the Mediterranean countries, they follow a Mediterranean diet, which is an awful lot more um, full of fresh fruit and vegetables, seasonal fruit and vegetables, which obviously they can grow because the weather is so much better than ours, particularly this year. Um, but they're they're very much into um, fresh food being prepared, um, sitting down and actually enjoying their food, uh, which we don't we, we tend uh, which has become something in across a lot of Europe is snatch and go grab something and go eating at your desk at work, um, not taking the time to sit down, not taking the time to prepare food. All those things tie into poor nutrition. We do shovel food into ourselves as a yeah. as a nation. That's a, a very a salient point. One of the more obvious yeah. points about cardiovascular disease is its relationship with smoking. And obviously, mm. this country and many countries made great strides in tackling the amount of young people smoking up to a point. And that point was when vaping um, came into being, and all of the vape companies are the, mm. um, the 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 they're all the owners of the big tobacco names of the past. Um, yeah. this surely is another reason to be very concerned about the direction of travel forward for the future. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I read a statistic there this week that there's more young adults, we'll say teenagers, vaping in America than there ever was smoking. And there ever was smoking. So they replaced the cigarette, the nicotine from the cigarette with the nicotine from the vape. So it is a very concerning thing. And I, I personally think we don't know long term the damage these vapes are actually doing. There is some evidence that they're actually, the harm they're actually doing to the lung is, it's huge and it's frightening because very young are smoking vapes, very young. Yeah, it's it's been very Mm. successful in how it's infiltrated younger demographics uh, through social media and the like from what we've heard and read. So generally, people listening this evening might be deeply concerned about what we're talking about, quite rightly. But there's certainly ways of tackling this. And uh, we've mentioned a couple of them. Uh, Let's talk about the bigger picture, which is maybe the role that the state can play in this from a a policy and a political perspective. Uh, Do you think that they're doing enough at the moment in how they're approaching? I know that they've got uh, a well-regarded large a national nutritional and health survey that's uh, becoming um, probably more and more well known over the years. But how do you think they're doing generally? What would you like to see them bring in to tackle something like cardiovascular disease? I think um, the pre- prevalence of having um, in supermarkets uh, the amount of Highly, highly processed foods that are the one the stuff that's actually on offer. 
instead of having the healthy foods on offer, they tend to go more towards the the, the sweets, the biscuits, the the crisps, the Pringles, whatever else, all of those things. That's what you go into a supermarket and that's what you see on offer. And if your budget is limited, and most people are now between inflation and everything else, it is actually very difficult to, you know, kind of manage a budget now because it is so, because everything is so gone so expensive. So when you see something like that and that's within your budget and you say, okay, that'll feed the kids or feed myself, you tend to go more with that. Plus, these foods are highly addictive, and that's well known. They're 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 meant to make to hit a pleasure zone in your a dopamine hit in your brain, and that is why you if you start eating them, it's very difficult to stop. So for me, that's where government should be actually kicking in. And I really do think so. The highly processed, really highly processed foods. I think I personally would ban them. Mm. But that might be a, a step too far. But um, more encouragement towards um, cheaper, um, healthier options for people and being being them front and centre in a supermarket rather than the special deals on the snacking food. There's no shortage of awareness, I think, these days about the amount of processed food that there is. But if you go into a Mm. shop and you have a budget and you need to... uh, you know, tick a certain amount of boxes in terms of feeding a mm. certain amount of mouths. Uh, and and it, it, ultimately, there's no more compelling argument than what you can afford. And yes. societal inequality is probably mm. one of the biggest issues that we've got when it comes to cardiovascular disease. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they don't, when, they, when you're saying one in four deaths, they don't say the demographic of the people that die of cardiovascular disease. There's, uh, you know, there is definitely um, demographics um, as regards what people can actually, you know, they're, and it's directed towards a budget. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, it's, uh, it is uh, disconcerting in, in the mm. extreme in that regard. So to underline and, and, and to put a punctuation mark on uh, what we're talking about this evening is that if we're heading into the shop, do your best to walk past those uh, yellow highlighted stickers and because generally uh, they're offering uh, large quantities of discounted processed food. And if we can at least tackle that little mountain in our lives in the supermarkets, uh, we're mm. probably doing a lot to further our own heart health. Absolutely, absolutely. And our overall health, because all that highly processed foods causes massive inflammation within the body. You're talking about things like rheumatoid arthritis, um, obviously cardiovascular disease, things like um, irritable bowel disease and a myriad of other issues um, with highly processed foods. So by reducing them alone, your overall health will definitely improve. Rita, as ever, we much appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness. Thanks a million, David. Appreciate it. The Westmeads Minotaurs are talking American football in the Midlands on health and fitness next. Health and fitness with David Hollywood. 
Now, for many people, American football is very much something that happens on the continent of North America. But, however, it is a growing sport and uh, the participation numbers across the region in the Midlands have been increasing, as have uh, the positive results coming from the Westmeath Minotaurs, who are uh, the region's American football club. They operate in the country's premier division after a recent promotion. I'm very glad to say that we're joined by a couple of Minotaurs on health and fitness this evening, uh, first of whom is the all-important quarterback and one of the team captains, Joe Kinahan. Joe, thanks very much for joining us. No hassle. Uh, thanks for the very uh, all-important intro. Uh, <laughs> anything to feed the ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The all-important Joe Kinahan. Um, I'm going to also introduce our uh, other guests this evening, Cahill Dunn. Cahill, uh, you have just joined the Minotaurs. Uh, your, your rookie season was last year. Thanks for taking our call this evening. No problem at all. Thanks for having us on. Joe, I'll start with yourself. Training is starting for the seniors playing uh, their next season in the new year. Uh, so first and foremost, it must be nice kind of getting the band back together again and uh, getting into the sessions. It has, yeah. Um, I mean, it's very hard to try and hang out with 30 or 40 lads at a time, especially when, you know, we all have work and stuff like that. So when training finally get on, you know, to see the full group back together, it's um, it's been great. It's been great to see new people down as well. Um you know, we've had, I think, six or seven new players already in, in the past couple of weeks. So um, it's good to see that people are getting more and more interested in the sport and really driving it on here. We'll talk about the wider uh, activities of, of, of the Westmeath Minotaur shortly, but you just touched on something I want to take you up on there. You will have, you will have observed over your time playing the game, loads of new people coming in, picking up the game for the first time. Do you still get the same enjoyment out of bringing these people along? Talk to us about that kind of learning dynamic that you observe when people are learning to play American football. Yeah, I mean, I think now, again, like with me playing for, I think I've been playing the sport for about 12 years now. And it's only now that I've, you know, I think I get more enjoyment now than I did uh, when I started. Again, seeing people take, you know, take a take a chance on a sport that isn't really as... Uh, as in the norm here in Ireland uh, and seeing people really attached to it and, and grow to love it is something that I, I've really, you know, it's another appreciation of the sport that I get to enjoy now. Obviously, Cahill on, on the call here, he joined last year and, you know, to see him so quickly take up all the different aspects of the sport and you know, it, it can be um, complex uh, or it can seem complex when you first start, but um, again, once you get on the field, once you throw the pads on and, and, start taking some hits you know it, it, it just becomes another game at that point and to see guys like Cahill really really thrive um, in, in the pads is, is fantastic to see OK well I'm going to actually go straight over to Cahill with this one Cahill am I right in saying you have a GA background uh, you would have played football for Tyrrell's Pass yeah so I would have, yeah, I would have played uh, football with Tyrrell's Pass GA for I think I was, when I was in under 8 would have been uh, when I started and um I, I played all the way through, all the way through underage and with senior now as well. And I just decided to pick it up um, last year, um, and just like going going into it, like the 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 skills that have come over from Gaelic football, like the the fitness side, strength conditioning, the the track and ball skills, uh, catch and pass, and all that. Like it's so easily um, uh, crosses over to American football when you're starting to play. So it wasn't as big a transition, especially if you do play those. So if anyone was interested in coming along, it's it's uh, those skills that easily um, come across. Like, I, I, I was just going to say that you would say that on the basis that you've got your GA football background, but like you were 
Um, the Minotaur's Rookie of the Year, you caught for 450 yards over the course of the season, four touchdowns. Um, <laughs> you had a remarkably successful introduction into the sport, it sounds like. Well, yeah, like uh, some of them, uh, some of those stats, I don't know, Joe, if they're uh, <laughs> incredibly accurate, but I know it, yeah. It was, um, it, it was, it was really, it was really great to get into the game. Um, like it, when I went down to the first game, it, it seemed um, very overwhelming when you have all different things to learn on your first day. But like Joe said, as soon as you get into the into the game, it just it just flows like any other any other sport that you would have played. Um, and it, and it was great from the, for the coaches and and the players around. They, like they, we all kind of support each other, and and it's so easy to learn like for for ourselves and the wide receivers and Joe. Um, all like training together on a on a Wednesday evening before the game really helped push us on, and not just for myself, with loads of other players who had who had a very successful season. We have loads of GA players in the region, so if they're listening this evening, as you're testifying to there, uh, there are transferable skills. One of the important things I think when people are considering picking up a new sport is what the environment's like. You know, how welcoming is it? Because I, I I've been a chameleon over the course of my um less than impressive sporting career so I've great experience at least in walking into strange groups of people and gauging just how sound they are uh, Carl you've done this recently with the Minotaurs what was it like that first day arriving uh, what kind of welcome do you receive yeah like, I, I still remember that day when I first came down the lads were all standing around like you, you say you get out of the car and think oh this is uh, it's a bit intimidating going up but as soon as you walk over to the lads like they, they welcome they all introduce uh, themselves to, to me and they brought me over, got my pads on, and then, like, when we were doing drills, they were, everyone was, like, kind of giving helpful tips, and I, I kind of brought that into um, into trainings as well with the rookies coming on this year, because I know how how, how um, overwhelming it can be to, to be in a brand-new sport with lads have played it for years, um, and you're not really sure how much you know, but, like, it was it was so great to, to have those lads to, to help you and push you on, and to encourage you when um, in the training sessions, and especially the games as well. Cool. And I'm going to ask Joe uh, this one. It's in relation to um, how you get the players in shape, how the training works. This is a health and fitness show after all. So it'd be, I'd be curious to find out what kind of things are you working on? I imagine upper body strength, core strength, leg drive, balance, agility, catching. Like there's so much in that, that there's a, probably an area for everyone to excel regardless of, say, their, their body type or whatever it is. Yeah, I was just going to uh, touch on that. Like, you do have, you know, we, we do focus on, like, a general fitness. Obviously, it's great when you have a better overall fitness, and we do try to encourage that. But the beauty of American football is that there, again, like you said, there really is a position for all sorts of body types. You know, we have guys in the team who are, um, like, 5'6", 130, 130 pounds, and then we have guys who are, like, 6'5", and you know, a, a lot bigger than um, 130 pounds. <laughs> um, like, like, the beauty of that is, like, you have strength guys and you have guys, with, you know, with great bases in their legs and then you have guys with great upper body strength and you have fast guys who can run the legs off anyone. Like, it, it really is a sport that you can excel on whatever your type of athleticism is. And if you don't think you have an athleticism type, you know, if you don't think you're fast or strong, we guarantee that we'll be able to get something out of you because again, it's a, it's the sport that really relies on all people on the field driving towards one goal. And if you feel that you're not contributing to that, you know, in essence, there's only 10 people on the field. 
So we really make sure that, it, you know, we're all pushing each other on in, in our fitness stuff. And um, we do gym sessions on Thursdays as well as our training sessions, you know, our field training sessions on Sundays and on Wednesdays. So, you know, we, we really do try to get everybody feeling as good as, as they can. And that will lead to a better performance on the field. It sounds like as well, if someone is looking to get themselves into shape, then being part of the uh, the training sessions on a weekly basis with the Minotaurs would pretty naturally take care of that pretty soon. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I've noticed myself, like, um, you know, when I joined the team uh, back when, you know, I was a little teenager, you know, I wasn't in the best of shape. And, you know, I feel like my fitness has gone on. I, I do other sports as well. And I feel like the stuff that I that I learn about my body in American football has really helped me you know, in other areas, not just in this sport. Um, so it, it really is a, you know, once you kind of realise, okay, this is what I'm good at and this is what I can get, what I can get better at. Um, you know, I think it really does impact more than just, oh yeah, I play or oh, I throw a ball every Sunday. It does impact the rest of your life, you know. After the break, we return to our chat with the lads. You'll hear about flag football and how GA players might be perfectly suited to this particular code of football. Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods. Midlands 103. On Health and Fitness this evening, we've been speaking to the Westmeath Minotaurs, their quarterback and one of their team captains, Joe Kinnahan, and their now sophomore wide receiver, Cahill Dunn. Next in our conversation, former Tyrrells Pass footballer Cahill talks to us about some of the GA skills that might be transferable when it comes to American football. From playing GA, it, it made it easier to uh, to to with the fitness levels and uh, and uh, change direction that all you'd have. But in athletic football, it's it's endurance and conditioning to last sixty minutes. Whereas when we when I went into my first game, I noticed how how um, how many like accelerations you have to do every single time because it's stop start and you could be accelerating uh, up to top speed maybe thirty five forty times a game. And after after training sessions, like it all helps to build towards that. So I don't want to make it seem intimidating that or you have to do that all the time. But definitely, speed and change of direction are are massive. And jumping, I think, as well for wide receiver, if you have to go for a high ball, um, jumping as well has to come into it. But those are the the, the skills that I've that I've definitely have um, developed over the time with the team. It's great to get that insight as to the specifics of the, the, the kind of transformation that you would go through uh, picking, picking up any new sport, but particularly with this one. Uh, Joe, we're talking about the seniors um, playing in uh, the, the kitted games, What is, is how you refer to them are. This is the pads, the helmet and so on. Uh, but that doesn't cover the operations of the Westmeath Minotaurs. Uh, you might talk us through the activities, for instance, I understand that the, the kind of youth academy season has just wrapped up. Uh, talk to us about what uh, that entailed. Yeah, so um, just after our season for the, for the senior uh, kid had wrapped up uh, in July, um, we opened up a youth academy. Um, we, you know, we want people not just 18 and over to be able to play the game. We want to be able to bring this sport to as many people who are interested in the sport. So we said... Um, that we would open up 15 to 18 years old. Uh, you'd learn the basics of the sport, you know, how to tackle, you know, how to run properly, how to throw a ball, how to block, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, we've really found it to be beneficial because, you know, we get to see the game through a different lens now. Like, we get to see, you know, teenagers enjoy the sport now. Um, obviously, that's going to open up opportunities. The, um, the Ireland has a national um, team for under 19s I believe 
So, you know, if if we can give young people the chance to go and represent Ireland, uh, you know, whether it's here in Ireland or whether it's abroad in the UK or Spain or, or you know, anywhere else in Europe, really, you know, if we can give people, young people, the chance to do that, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but it's honestly been great to see them come on and, again, you know, take a chance at a new sport and really, really learn learn to love it, you know? Then I, I was actually, it, it's, it snuck past me in recent times that um, the game of flag football is obviously growing and developing, not just in this country, but beyond. Uh, to So much so to the extent it looks like it's going to be uh, in one of the forthcoming Olympics. You might fill us in on that as well. Flag football, you might talk us through exactly what it is, where it's going in terms of the profile it's gathering and how you guys are operating flag football. Flag football is, um, it's very, I suppose it'd be the equivalent of tag rugby. Um, so instead of, you know, big, hard tackles and, and all sorts of helmets and, and pads and you know big burly lads coming to hit you it's it's a five on five sport it's a, it's a smaller field it's a faster paced sport um the flag part of the name just coming from two tags that sit at your hips and you know people pull them as the tackle mm. um but yeah it, it's really really grown in, in recent years uh, like you said the 2028 olympics in la um they announced that flag football would be a showcase um, or I think a one-off sport uh, for that um, for that Olympics. So over the last, I think, four years, that's really been a, pro- a push from IFAF, the International Federation for American Football. Um, there's been European Championships and, and Continental Championships for South America and Asia and all over the world. There was a European Championships in Limerick this August. And what was great about that was, you know, we got to see this like melting pot of truly elite athletes from all over Europe, men and women. Um, I think we put uh, we put forward a, an Irish national team for for women's flag football for the first time, and uh, you know to see them score and to be to be celebrating so so passionately about a game that you know some of them had only recently taken up. Uh, you know it, it's great to see, and again it comes back to whole, that whole you know if, if we can give people a chance to represent Ireland and truly take pride in in you know getting better and getting healthier and and you know bettering themselves in all sorts of ways you know it, it's truly a it's an honor to kind of see see that happen in front of your eyes you know and um, so we've been putting forward an effort to try and get more women in the region uh, into flag football there's a world championships in finland next year that the um irish program is looking to send a women's team to so um we are really uh we you know we want to see Hopefully, if, if women are interested in, in American football and they're watching it on TV and think every Sunday and thinking, oh, you know what, I'd like to try that. Flag football is an excellent sort of gateway um, into that. Yeah, I suspect it's, it really develops a lot of the skills uh, that obviously are transferable then when it comes to uh, kitted football. Just as we're running out of time, guys, uh, I have to touch on looking forward to next season for the senior team. Um Last year, the first in the Premier Division, you finished with a two and six record. Uh, but ultimately, Joe, would I be right in saying that you guys held your own as a promoted side and, and finished the season satisfied? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, again, coming up from the uh, from Division One, it would be the sort of middle tier in American in Irish American football. Coming up from that for the, for the first time ever in the club's history, and you know, really putting forward some some valiant efforts in some games, um, we came within touching distance of the team that would end up being in the final for the national championship this year 
Um, you know, we, we played some really, really tight games. We lost by, uh, I think, on the last play uh, against one of the premier teams in Ireland, the Cork Admirals. Um, so to be putting up, um, you know, putting up really competitive efforts in, in losing games, I think it's it's really, you know, we've kind of rallied around each other and said, you know what, we've been that close in so many tight games that we feel that we can, you know, if we can get 5% better, that those, you know, that record turns from, you know, from two and six to three and five or four and four, maybe five wins. And all of a sudden, you know, we're into a playoff race as opposed to, you know, kind of just sitting in our own little area there. But we were happy to, we were happy to stay up. And that was the main goal. Um, but now we're, we're, we've kind of gotten a taste of what the, the, the top competition's like. And we're saying, you know what, we can, we can, we can do some things if we, if we improve maybe five or 10% more. So um, anybody who wants to be a part of that, um, you know, to be part of a really, really strong uh, um, program and, you know, obviously getting fit and, and really, really pushing to, 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 you know, push yourself to limits you've not kind of pushed yourself to before. That's, that's what we're all about. So um, we're looking forward to this year for sure. How do people get involved? Um, so we are contactable on Facebook and Instagram. Um, there's Westmead Minotaurs. Uh, it's usually the tag you'll see there. Um, we have our website, uh, westmeadminotaurs.com. And um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're always reachable. Again, DM me if you want to. Um, Joe Kinahan, wherever you can find a call, will take some messages and he'll be um, he'll be plugging the team okay, all right. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just get down to Mullingar Rugby Club every Sunday, uh, 10 to 12. Uh, is our training slot and um, yeah you'll see a lot of people interested in taking up a new sport and I think if we can um, you know we we really pride ourselves on creating a great team atmosphere so if that's something you're into make sure you pop down Joe Kinnahan and Cahill Dunn of the Westmeath Minotaurs thanks for joining us on Health and Fitness this evening thanks for having us thank you thanks William